Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Welcome to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications and Projects Manager for National Cannabis Industry Association. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we will be joined by Lydia Abernathy. She is with NCIA member Urban Grow, and she is a Cultivation Technologies Specialist. Lydia, how are you today? I'm doing well, Bethany. Thank you for inviting me to come on your program, and congratulations for your new podcast. Oh, thank you. This is, uh, this is a great new thing that we can use to engage our membership. Uh, uh, in addition to all of our conferences and networking events, a podcast is just a really great way to continue to keep the conversation going. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of January, NCIA is hosting our Seed to Sale show here in Denver, Colorado. It's January 31st and February 1st. And what's different from the Seed to Sale show, as opposed to our regular conference in the summer, the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, the Seed to Sale show is really focused solely on the life cycle of the plant. Uh, So Urban Grow will be exhibiting at the Seed to Sales show. You're going to have a booth on our expo floor. And also, John Chandler, who's your VP of Cultivation Technology, that department at Urban Grow, is going to be sitting on a panel about chemical-free pesticide management. Can you tell us a little bit more about chemical-free pesticide Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just also want to put in a quick note that anyone who's interested should definitely come visit us at booth number 613. We'd be happy to see you. And Chandler's going to be speaking, and that's definitely going to be something worth seeing. Chandler's one of the forerunners of this industry in regards to appropriate pesticide control mechanisms and automated fertigation, anything like that. Okay, that's great. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And, you know, I apologize. Let me back up and let's talk a little bit more about you. Now, you have a Bachelor of Science in Biological Sciences, and you also have quite a bit of experience in plant research within even an FDA-regulated kind of environment. Um, so if you want to tell us a little bit more about your background, it's, it's, you know, a little bit over my head as a non-scientist, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about what excites you and what your, what your knowledge base is. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in North Carolina, which is one of the largest states for agricultural business in the United States. Um, I originally, when I first graduated from college, started working with BASF, which is one of the leaders on the forefront of the chemical industries within the entire world, doing insecticide and pesticide testing and management. And then I moved into an FDA biopharmaceutical 
plant growing a, um, a relative of tobacco to make flu vaccines. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Really cool. laughs> that is really fascinating. So, and, and you work with insects, both getting, working to get rid of the ones you don't want. And also, I really find it interesting that you may want to introduce insects to cultivation practices as well. So there's beneficial insects and harmful insects. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I definitely do. So just something for everyone to know, ladybugs are not the only option. Uh, Ladybird beetles are amazing for eating aphids and, you know, they're pretty spectacular and and everyone loves to see them around in their grow, but they are not the only biological um, creature that's available to help you manage pest insects inside of your facility. They are pretty, though. They're so pretty, but I have to, it's one of the things I tell people all the time, you know, like you don't, ladybugs aren't the only option. They're a great option, but they're definitely not the only one. So, you know, one of the best things about this industry is the availability of knowledge from the agricultural sectors of different parts of our country, you know, people that grow cotton or corn or soybeans and how those, those knowledges are applicable in a cannabis facility. It's just you would use a different bug or a different um, species of the same type of bug in a cannabis grow versus outdoors or when you're growing hops or something like that, just based on the environmental conditions that the bugs like. Okay. It's really cool. Yeah, that does make sense. Okay. How many different types of beneficial bugs do you think there are? Oh, oh, in general? Oh, no, I have, yeah. I can't even, I can't speak okay. to that number. It's got to be thousands of different types of genus and species would be available because oh, these, these bugs evolve. Yeah, exactly. They, they evolve in the same way that the pests do. So, you know, a predator evolves to eat its prey. And so as more prey bugs, as more pest bugs come out, then there are natural, um, you know, stop gaps that are available just when you walk in a field outside. And, and actually, interestingly enough, in a lot of different grows, they're seeing natural populations from the outdoors moving indoors to a greenhouse or an indoor facility or a hybrid greenhouse and eating their pest insects because that's where the food's at. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So moving, moving on away from bugs and onto some of the other issues that cannabis cultivators would would be concerned about in order to make the best product. I know powdery mildew is is a persistent problem in some of these facilities. So what kind of what kind of advice do you have for cannabis cultivators to deal with it when they're growing at the commercial level? Yeah, so powdery mildew is caused by um it's a it's a fungal disease obviously which is caused by environmental issues, susceptible strains and cross contamination. So you will have strains that are more um they get it more. They're, it's much easier for powdery mildew to infect them. It's just the differences oh. between the strains, um, those exist. So there will definitely be strains that are more prone to it. And then things like relative humidity being high or having fluctuating temperatures can also give the plants um, stress and it will bother them to the point where they become susceptible to disease. So one of the most important things to be aware of with powdery mildew is making sure that you have calm, even, 
airflow throughout your entire facility and making sure that you're not cross-contaminating by trimming one plant and going and touching the next plant right, right beside it without cleaning your gloves or cleaning your scissors, thinking about you know, quarantining your products if you have PM available or PMs growing in your facility. And then additionally, there are product solutions like chemicals, but the things to be thinking about in regards to that would be what's available for use in your state and what your batch acceptance rules are for whenever your product is finally processed because a different product may not work as well if you have high microbial testing um, or like a very low concentration of microbial testing in your state, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you were talking about the mm-hmm. procedures of making sure you don't go from one plant without washing your hands and moving on to another, it really reminded me of the restaurant industry and food preparation mm-hmm. rules. And I know here in the cannabis industry, we are developing practices like that and, and, and providing training that very closely resembles uh, restaurant training. So that's really fascinating. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit more about the human engineering aspect that, you know, safety guidelines as far as pesticide application. I know you could speak to worker protection and safety laws as well. And then, you know, errors about workflow. And that's that's really what I nerd out on, project management and process and workflow and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more from you. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannivation and Canatech Awards. Register before November 22nd for $200 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. Seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com We are back. We are speaking with Lydia Abernathy from Urban Grow. 
a source for cultivation product solutions. And Lydia, uh, as we said earlier, is a cultivation technologies specialist. So she has a lot of really nitty gritty information about cannabis cultivation and best practices. Hey, Lydia, thanks again for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. So let's get back into talking about some of the safety guidelines for applying pesticides. Absolutely. You you had, you had waxed poetic on it earlier with the worker protection standard, which is um, administered and looked over by the EPA, and that's just aimed to reduce the risk of pesticide poisoning and injury for anyone working in the agricultural space or handling pesticides. You know, personally, we find it to be very important for any grow, any facility that plans to use chemical products should have at least one person on their staff that is certified as a pesticide applicator for their state. Smart, Um, yeah. Exactly. And knowing specific laws about how to apply pesticides and what's safe and restricted entry intervals to make sure that other, uh, exactly, it's a big, it's a mouthful, REIs, to make sure that other workers aren't exposed to pesticides unnecessarily. There's a lot of um, misinformation that's given around both in this industry and around pesticides in general. Even the organic ones are not necessarily incredibly safe. You know, even minimum Mm. risk are not, you know, great to be applied if you're not protecting yourself with the proper personal protective equipment, your PPE, and, you know, just read the label, read the label, and make sure that you are well-versed and that you understand how to take care of someone who possibly would have been poisoned with pesticides by getting sprayed in the face or having it be absorbed into their skin, anything like uh-huh. that. It's always good to have those best management practices already settled before you start growing, just to make sure that everyone is safe and no one is harmed unnecessarily by using chemicals in your grow. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds like you want to make sure you don't breathe in pesticides. You you probably don't want to let it absorb into your skin, as you said. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not in your eyes. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and all that information is on the label. Like the label is the law. That's what the label is there for. It's there to keep everybody safe. And any information that you would ever need to find would be on the label or the material safety data sheet. And those those are available on the internet. And you can find them very, very easily from the manufacturer, your distributor. There's no reason for anyone to be, you know, put at risk from using pesticides because there's so much available information and knowledge you know, within the agricultural space, that that's just not, that that is not necessary. Knowledge is power. The more you know. (laughs) Absolutely, for sure. All right. Uh, Well, that's really helpful information. Um, Are there scenarios where certain pesticide chemicals should not be used in combination together? Is that, is that ever something to take into consideration? I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are going to be saying in their minds, oils and sulfur, oils and sulfur. So um, depending on the different types of pesticides that are available, you can or cannot mix them together or can or cannot spray them one after the other, one day to the next, because of the way that the biologies work together, the chemicals work together. So for example, with sulfur and oil, um, the sulfur and the oil, the oil keeps the sulfur connected to the plant foliage. And so it will actually burn your plants. So if you apply oils to sulfur, sulfur to oils, you will, you will burn and kill most likely burn and kill the vast majority of the plants that you you apply this to. Oh, wow. 
I'm yeah. I'm imagining some like mad scientist scenarios with like laboratory <laughs> chemicals smoking. <laughs> Everybody's done it at least once too. You'll mm. you'll talk to growers regularly and they'll say, "Oh, I know about that. I don't do that." And you know, and just like we were talking about, it's on the label and it will tell you what oh. the pH should be when you spray and if you shouldn't uh-huh. spray it in combination with something else. It's always going to be on the label. So just make sure you're reading. Maybe we should collect stories of like horror stories oh. of growing plants. <laughs> oh, um, they were they are lengthy too. You will definitely hear some awful things. Yeah, for, worst, for, for, worst for burning practices. your plants for sure. Yeah, worst, yeah, definitely. Worst practice management. <laughs> yeah, <Definitely>. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so what about home growers and and what about the, you know, say you're not trying to grow thousands of plants for a commercial retail. Uh you're just a home grower. You got your however many plants you're allowed to have in your state. What what kind of uh what kind of advice would you have for for those home growers? I think that what would really benefit a lot of people because there's no oversight in the home grow world. You know, you're not you're not selling this for someone's medicine. No one else other than your friends or whoever if you whomever are going to be coming into contact with your product. So it's really up to you what it is that you feel safe and comfortable with applying to your plants. But I personally would go with the good rule of thumb of if it's allowed in my state or if states like Washington and California and Oregon and Colorado, because they're at the forefront of handling any of these pesticide laws for the most part, um, they've done slightly more research and have been at it for a little bit longer than some of the other states. Um, you know, just kind of looking into what list of available and appropriate pesticides would be or, in my own personal opinion, you're going to have a lot less trouble at a home grow because it's smaller there's less people there. You don't have tremors coming from one, one place to another in a home grow as opposed to a, a large-scale grow. And you are able and capable of using beneficial bacteria and biologicals and insects in a home grow just as you are in a large-scale grow if that's something that you're interested in. And, you know, just keeping all the available options in mind and just keeping safety at the forefront of your thought process would be something that I would find the most beneficial personally in regards to safety of a home grow. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, when I think of home grows and, and I, you know, I think of uh, uh, the farmer and, and, you know, their dog walking around their, their plants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, yes. I'm, sure, I'm sure that happens. How, how harmful is having pets near a small home grow? Is, is it harmful? Is it something to be concerned about? Does it matter how fluffy the dog is? I have never even considered that to be an option. Most people, I mean, I'm, well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe people do have animals walking around in their rooms. In their rooms, Typically when you have a home grow, it's, it's quartered off and it's sectioned off. And, you know, you're the person that goes in there or your partner or one of your buddies and you take care mm-hmm. of your plants. So the flowers of a cannabis plant are normally a little bit higher up than the body of a dog. So hopefully, unless you have like a full-grown bull mastiff or a giant Great Dane, they wouldn't be rubbing their body up against your flowers, which is going to be the the part of the plant that you're going to be most concerned about getting any sort of bacteria or disease. But, you know, in general, people have such a close relationship with their pets and, you know, they sleep with them. They allow them to walk all over their counters and their kitchen. And I would not necessarily consider that to be something worth worthy of concern unless you're talking about having a multi-pet household and then, you know, maybe don't allow them in the part where you grow. Right, right. 
<laughs> I, <laughs> Maybe. I, I, know, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're a pet owner, but um, my roommate has pets, and I, even if I don't touch them, I get, I get pet hairs on my clothing that I discover later in the day. Um, but, you know, with a home grow, it just sounds like a very small risk. So I just like talking about dogs. So we'll, if you'll just <laughs> excuse me for that. Yeah, we, can get back to, <laughs> we can get back to talking about plants. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of look at the big picture of the cannabis industry for a minute and talk about uh, wholesale prices and tools maybe that the industry can use to ramp up their large-scale agriculture this is this is something that you you have some insight into i guess absolutely so my it not necessarily in order because they're all equally important would be having good lights that are putting out the appropriate amount of micromoles for each of the stages of the plant's development, um, a trustworthy environmental monitoring system, automatic irrigation and fertigation systems, rolling benches, which will help you maximize your bench mm-hmm. square footage in a smaller space where you're not taking up all that, um, all that extra space by aisles, and then obviously having a sophisticated IPM program to help eliminate any pests and help push back the possibility of crop failure. Absolutely would be my recommendations. Tell us what IPM means. Integrated Pest Management. It is a holistic approach, a systems approach to keeping a facility pest-free. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you never have a bug in your grow. It means that you don't have enough bugs in your grow to ruin your yield, to eat all your plants, to infect all your plants with some sort of microbial bacterial disease you know, that, that reduces your, your yield and results in economic loss. That's, that's kind of the threshold of where you would pay attention within your grow is if something is getting out of control and you're going to possibly lose money on the back end. Okay, so crossing Actually. your T's, dotting your I's, and containing contaminations and controlling them when they do happen. Yes, ma'am. Great, I love it. So... Are are you excited to be at the seed to sale show at uh, at the end of January? I am. I actually I really enjoy standing on our uh, rather large ex, you know exhibit, talking to people. Okay, well, why don't we take another quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the seed to sale show with Lydia. NCIA's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, 
Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, well, we are back. This is Bethany with NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up the last few minutes here of our podcast. And we're joined by Lydia Abernathy from Urban Grow, and she's the cultivation technology specialist with them. And let's just let's just dive into some more scientific, high tech stuff. I understand you have a focus at Urban Grow on biologicals. Can you tell us what that means and and what excites you about that? Oh, I can I can talk about this for hours. So I'll try to make it I'll try to make it brief. Sure. So biologicals includes beneficial soil microbes that help colonize the rhizosphere so that the yeah, so that the roots are able to absorb nutrients and water better and the plant grows better. Biologicals also inc- includes the use of beneficial fungus on the application of powdery mildew and it includes beneficial insects, mites and nematodes which either parasitize or predate pest insects inside of your facility all of those wow that is mm-hmm. that is a lot and you know i i struggle to keep house plants alive so maybe maybe i should look <laughs> into that <laughs> um what uh can you can you go a little little more into that about what what species are relevant in cannabis Absolutely. So you have you have different types of mites that live on your leaves as opposed to mites that would live in your soil. And oh. so the mites that live on your leaves would eat things, would eat pests that also live on your leaves, like spider mites or thrips or aphids. And then you have bugs that live in your soil that would eat things that live in the soil, like fungus gnat larvae or thrips pupa or shore flies, all of those creatures. And so one of the best things to do when you're trying to figure out how to handle a pest in your grow is to properly ID the problem to make sure that you know what the bug is, you know where the bug lives, and then identify what susceptible life stages that that bug has. So, for example, a thrips, they lay their eggs inside of leaves, and so it's incredibly difficult to kill eggs because the eggs are shielded by a leaf. So you would want to kill the adults, which run around on the surface of the plant on the leaves, or you would want to kill the pupa, which is the stage between juvenile and adult, and that lives in the soil. And so you can go after any of these pest insects in multiple avenues with both chemical applications and with beneficial biologicals, like pests or, or, sorry, excuse me, um, like beneficial bugs and, and predatory insects or beneficial fungus. Um, for an example, specifically, Aureus insidious is a type of shield bug which eats 5 to 20 thrips per day, but they like to sport kill. So they'll go around <laughs> and they'll kill two to four times that number of thrips in a day just for Just for, just for fun? Yeah, whatever. I'm not entirely positive what's happening in their mind, but they see them and they may not be hungry, but they're going to kill them anyway. And then oh they just gosh. move on along with their day. It's amazing, actually. Aureus are one of my favorite um, beneficial bugs to use in a cannabis environment. People love them. 
Wow, it is really a microscopic jungle as as you get closer to the plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I am really glad that there are folks like you that know all of this really high-tech stuff, really scientific level. It's way over my head, so awesome. So at the end of January, your uh, vice president of cultivation technology is going to be sitting on one of our panels on on cultivation and pesticides at the Seed to Sale show. His name's John Chandler. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what he's going to be talking about at the Seed to Sale show? I do. So Chandler's going to speak on chemical-free pest control, which is going to be a discussion about appropriate pesticides and cultural and climatic controls for a cannabis facility. Uh, Chandler's considered to be one of the gurus in this industry. People call him for a plethora of issues in their grow, and Chandler's always the man that helps them fix their problems. So it's it's definitely something not to be missed. It's always enjoyable to see him talk about anything he chooses to speak on. <laughs> Great. And will you be uh, – Urban Grow has a booth on the expo floor at the Seed to Sale show as well. Will you be there? I absolutely will. Yeah, please look for our 40-foot booth. Uh, It's number 613. (laughs) If you guys are interested in talking to me about bugs, it is absolutely something that I love to discuss, and you're welcome to (laughs) present me with any questions that you have, no matter how small or big. I I love questions. It's all I live for. So you just let me know if you have anything that you want to say, and I'll be over at at uh, the exhibit. I'm just waiting for you. She wants to talk about bugs, ladies and gentlemen. Bring her your bug <laughs> questions. <laughs> what I'm here well, for. well, I am really excited about the Seed to Sale show as well. It's going to be here in Denver on January 31st and February 1st, 2017. And for those of you that have not yet registered or would like more information, you can go to www.seedtosaleshow.com. And Lydia, was was there anything else you you wanted to add or share with with the NCIA cannabis industry voice audience? I do. I just wanted to encourage, as my last comment, I wanted to encourage everyone to the best of their ability to keep records of when they spray pesticides, when they apply bugs, whenever they see a problem, to know what their environmental conditions are, to know what their soil pH and EC is. All of these details are incredibly important to figuring out any sort of plant disease or pest infestation, and absolutely you should focus your intention on knowing those things about your grow every single day and on a regular basis. Do you have a favorite method for that, like a chart on, on the wall or, or maybe a computer program or either or? I live for Excel and bugs. I love <laughs> Excel is amazing. Anything that you want to do, just make sure that you have multiple records of it and that your employees can find them. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I can definitely appreciate mm-hmm. that. Well, I think we're wrapping the show up, so I just want to thank everybody for joining us and for more information about NCIA, the National Cannabis Industry Association. Please log on to www.thecannabisindustry.org, and there you can find more information about membership, the different levels of membership, events that we're hosting, and uh, including the Seed to Sale show, as well as the Cannabis 
Business Summit and Expo, which will be in June in Oakland, California. And you can get more information about that by going to www.cannabisbusinesssummit.com. We look forward to our next episode, and I hope you all have enjoyed it. And Lydia, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really enlightening, and it's really good to dig deep into the weeds, sorry, too easy, uh, of, <laughs> <laughs> of pesticide and and fungus and, and all the different concerns that our, our cultivators who are creating this wonderful product have to pay attention to from day to day uh, in order to, to get cannabis to, to the customers. So thank you. Yeah, and thank you for having me. I really had a great time. Me too. It's been fun. Well, thanks for joining us on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Have a good one.